welcome back brothers and sisters in Christ to the child of God podcast where we focus on our faith journey and love and getting closer to God every day as children of God and today we have a super exciting guest DKG Kai and you know he's just absolutely amazing if you've seen him on TikTok with all the over 60,000 likes and reaching the Christian population with his music comedy and, you know just his great personality we have him here today on the Child of God podcast and so we're going to start off with just hearing him and and about his journey and him telling us a little bit about himself. All right, great. So first, I just want to say, uh, given all, I give all honor to God, uh, who is the head of my life, and also uh, my parents, my spiritual parents, the whole nine, but also thank you uh, for giving me this opportunity um, because, and I'm gonna go into you know, my story in a minute, but one thing that I have been looking for recently is to do more interviews because, I, I am somebody who obviously I'm a devout Christian. I love God more than some people would even think, but there are also a lot of misconceptions about me because of how real or how raw I am in X, Y, and Z. So I do really thank you for this opportunity um, to be on here and, you know, so people can be able to see, you know, the side of me besides just the music. Um, but yeah, really quick. So I'm just going to get into my so I can pretty much kind of start from the beginning of how I started or, you know, how. how oh, no, how yeah, definitely. You. You definitely get right in and let us know how it started, like struggles, challenges, everything that you've experienced so far. Okay, great. Um, yeah, so long story short, uh, I was born in Detroit and um, I was moved. I, I ended up moving to a suburb named Canton a little earlier. So that had a, a very dramatic effect on my life and how I grew up in X, Y, and Z. Uh, my parents are actually pastors as well. So I grew up in God 24-7, literally preached my first sermon at 11 years old. Um, so yeah, so it's, I, I've literally, everything about my life has been supernatural. Me and my mother was just talking about, um, even my birth, the way I was born, um, my, my, my parents were, weren't planning on having any more children. And all of a sudden God spoke to my dad and said, no, there's one more and he's on the way. And it was like, whoa, like, you know, it was, so it wasn't like they didn't, they didn't want another one, but it was just like, okay, you know, we good. But God said, you know what, we got a plan for one more and boom, here I am. And right after that, um, as a child, man, I wish I could call my mom, but I because I forgot what age I was, but I think I was like maybe six months, something like that, maybe younger, but I had a, um, an attack, the enemy attacked my body with a breathing disease called croup. Um, as a literally, yeah, as like a newborn to where it was to the point where I literally could not breathe. I would be walking in, uh, I could be at the mall with my parents or just at the house, whatever, and my windpipe would shrink. Um, and just imagine like a newborn baby wheezing, like that's the most scary, you know what I'm saying? Cause you don't know what's going on. So yeah, that happened. And long story short, my parents, you know, went into prayer and just rebuked that thing. And eventually it broke. But I say that to say this, my, my mom brings it up constantly to tell me, you know, and to remind me, Kai, you're here for a reason. You know, there, 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 there's absolutely no reason you're still supposed to be here, you know, going through that and X, Y, and Z. So, you know, there's, there's that. Um, but yeah, getting into the music, I've always been a musical person. I love music. My parents put me on music as a child. I love all types of music, gospel, rock, pop, everything. Literally, you'd be surprised. Um, so I've always been musical. And I dropped my, I did like my first song at like 12 years old. And it was not a Christian song. So my parents were not going. 
Like, it was no way. They were not going to have it. So, um, long story short, I took a break from, like, 12 to literally up until I started rapping again. I was 21 when I picked up the mic again. And this was, like, almost like a year and a half ago. And, I, and I'm wrapping it up. But pretty much the reason I started rapping again uh, I was preaching. I'm a, actually a youth minister as well. So I was preaching full time, doing my thing, traveling and ministering. And I hit a place in my life where uh, I, I needed an outlet. Like I felt like I was losing my mind almost. And I needed something to just, you know, just some type of outlet. And my mom told me, you need to start writing. And in my head, I'm like, yo, I'm not about to write no diary for that. Like, I, that's just not what I'm on. You feel me? But but no, she like, no, like I'm telling you, I think you should think about it. So one of my boys, shout out to Kello, he's an artist as well and a producer, um, somebody I'm really close with. He hit me up one day and was like, yo, I think you should get in the studio. Like, you got a good voice, like, you know, whatever. And I put two and two together. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I can start rapping and that can be my outlet to show how I really feel. And boom, it literally, it went from there. And um, we dropped the first song and I thought to myself, you know what? I fought myself. I'm like, I'm not going to do this. I'm a preacher. The church is not going to allow me to do this. But in prayer and talking to God, you know what I'm saying? He started to reveal like, no, Kai, I'm giving you the chance to do something that hasn't been done before. You can take this aggressive Detroit sound that people love in the secular, you know what I'm saying? In the secular realm, and you can use it for my glory. So that's how we're going to win souls. So yeah, that's, that's my story for, for the most part. I am just like, I'm, I am absolutely speechless. I, if I'm being honest, I was not expecting that, but one, your mom sounds like the OG. She sounds like she's had you covered from before birth to now. And, you know, you have to love family and parents that strict, like just cover us every single day. So I'm just, she sounds amazing. And then two, just hearing all of the struggles and hardships that you had to go through to get to this place. You know, a lot of people out there in the world are experiencing the similar thing, but they're not sure if they'll make it through. They're not sure if as a Christian, there's someone else out there that is experiencing this exact same thing. And you yourself, your, your life is a walking testimony. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm just amazed and happy that, you know, God allowed you to find time to be on the podcast because I am just as grateful to have your story. Um, so the first thing we're going to get into is like music as a business. How has it affected you? Um, how has it affected your mission? Obviously, as Christians, you know, when you get into ministry, it's a real hard time with, um, finances are people thinking about oh you're just doing this so you can get the clout or the money from the job how do you deal with those perspectives um for me you know the good thing about my story this is why I say like everything in my life is just so crazy and supernatural because the way that God set this up he made it so that I wouldn't have to really be bound to that like oh I have to do this to make this money and the reason I say that is this um my main occupation uh, when I first started rapping I'm actually my pastor my main pastor at the church I belong to Apostle Wayne C. Jackson he has a um, um, the the only actual uh, African-American television network that's in 90 million homes called Impact Network so 
yeah, that's it's major. So what he allowed me to do was come in and be the youth coordinator. So I make pretty good money doing that. And I also own a graphic design business. Um, so I'm doing so many different things and side hustles and whatever. So when we're talking about music, if we're just being honest, I didn't get into the music. Like when people were like, my dad would even tell me like, hey, you got to stop doing these free features. Like you, you do. Like, seriously, you got to stop doing certain things for free. Like when people are telling you they want to pay you, let them pay you. But I say that to say this, it was to the point where like, I was like, yo, I don't need to do this for the money. Like I'm doing this because I genuinely love God and I genuinely love uh, to create music and I want to help people. So yeah, I've been blessed to kind of evade that stereotype of, oh, he's doing it for the money. And I've heard things like, you know, people see my jewelry and X, Y, and Z, and it's like, oh, you got that off the backs of Christians. No, no, I, I didn't. I have a business. I have an LLC. I have different things. You know what I'm saying? I'm a hard worker. You know what I'm saying? And this was, this literally, I had all of this before the music. That is uh, like one, God always provides for his people. God always provides for people that he knows or not people, but everyone that he knows has a purpose and we all have a purpose. So he provides for each and every one of us. And it's amazing how, you know, you humbly defeat those stereotypes. Um, I know there is this um, like stereotype about Christian influencers or entrepreneurs that they're getting money. I'm just surprised that someone would say that you're getting it off the backs of Christians. That's very shocking. But I've heard, and so not to cut you off, but as we go through the interview, I'm sure you're going to hear more. Like it's so many, I've been, it's some crazy stuff. Like some people have came at me some very, very crazy ways. This is why, like I said, I'm excited to be doing this because people just hear my music and they see what I look like and how I dress and I got tattoos and they just assume one thing and don't even have a clue about what's going on. Which is amazing because one of the things that we, we are supposed to be doing as Christians is not judging, but accepting each other, you know, as imperfect but just trying to be successful in the eyes of God. And it's so crazy that people are, that multiple people are coming at you this way, especially when you're making such an impact on so many people with, with God's word and you know your experience as a Christian. It's crazy. But um, now you've talked about your, biz, like your business with graphic design and as well as your um, leadership with the youth, how does that work? And how do you, you know, make those impacts daily on the youth's lives? So I, I would say, you know, when I first started ministering um, and taking it outside, I'll say taking ministering serious uh, at around the age of 19, I made it my mission. Like it was so many people around my age, especially in Detroit, like the Christian community, like uh, the young preacher community in Detroit is, is we all know each other. It's kind of small. And for whatever reason, like even at 19, 20, I started noticing a lot of those people, they didn't want anything to do with the youth and their youth. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they wanted to get the bigger crowds, you know, they wanted to preach to the seasoned saints, you know, and, and get the big hallelujahs and the big amens. And they didn't want to go through the struggle of trying to pull these hard headed young people out of their sin. But for me, I looked at it as I needed somebody to pull me out when I was 17, 18, you know what I'm saying? So why would I turn my back on a whole generation that could possibly need me? You know what I mean? So every day, like I said, everything that I do, whether it's the music, uh, whether it's graphic design, I literally just got back from a career day at a school uh, where I was talking about just making money and uh, all about my music, number one, but it ended up coming into 
like my business too. And I was just teaching them like, you know, how to make money X, Y, and Z. Because like I said, I just feel like young people are so neglected in today's world because constantly, like if I had a dollar for every time I heard, that's what's wrong with y'all young folk. Like, you know what I'm saying? I agree. I don't want to be, it sucks that we have these like experiences, but it's the truth. And it's very shocking to how many people say that, but don't, but completely forget that it was their job to raise up the current generation. Yeah, that's it. And that's why, like I said, I'll take it very serious. Like not only just obviously my music, but like I said, just being a youth minister, um, of course, it, it, it feels good to be able to preach to the, the seasoned saints and all that. But one thing that I've realized, I'm sure this is going to come up later in the interview as well, is at the end of the day, I'm here to win souls. So what does that mean? If I'm preaching to the same crowd every day and they're already saved, I'm not doing my job. So winning souls, those are the people that don't know about God. Those are the people that don't want to know about God. Those are the people who are fighting. Those are the youth. That's what I'm trying to do. So if that means I can't preach in front of a thousand people that's screaming amen all hard, if that means that I have to preach to a, a room of 200 youth that probably don't even want to be there anyway, it don't matter. If I'm doing my job, God, because this is the thing, I can't save you. God is. That's the thing. So I'm not worried if I'm here, like I said, if I'm in that room with those 200 youth, at the end of the day, if they want to be there or not, they're there for the game reason. And God knows why. So it's nothing that I can say out my mouth that's going to change them. It's whatever God plans to do when they get to the room, when they get there. So that's my motivation to keep me going. Of It's not me. None of this is me. The music, the DKG, Kai, all of it, this is it's great. It's amazing. But it's not me. God speaks to me. God guides me. And if it wasn't for him, it wouldn't be a DKG, Kai. I just love how spiritual and spirited you are about this. You know, people sometimes they're very reserved. Um, when you get into this conversation about, you know, your history and your perspective on your journey as a Christian, and sometimes they're a little settled, but you're all in it. You're all about, you're all about that life. And we love it. We love it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Cause it's like, what I tell people all the time is like, like when I was in the world, you know, I was the same way. I was the guy, I was just talking about my, uh, my people about it yesterday. It's funny. Like when I was in the world and going to parties and stuff like that, I was the one I'm, I'm going to talk crap to you and I'm going to be the one that bites you. Like, I'm on I'm that. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm, learning, I'm not being quiet. I'm walking in the party loud. Who wanted, who won't smoke, you know, X, Y, and Z. So for me, when I got saved, I'm like, yo, why would I, you know, why, why when I was in the world was I so radical? And then now I want to be toned down now that I'm in Christ. No, at the end of the day, when I was in the world, I was fighting ops and opposition. And now that I'm in Christianity, I'm still fighting opposition. And that's mm -hmm. what that's where the demon killer comes from. It's that aggression. And instead of me putting that aggression into, oh, when I go to this place, I can't wait for this dude to look at me so I can bump him. <laughs> no, that's my brother, that's my sister. You know what I'm saying? Cool, yeah, and amen. Keep your distance, I keep mine. But at the end of the day, these demons, oh, that's my op, for sure. So my aggression, that passion, that that you know, that that uh, that voice that you hear on those tracks, that's where that's coming from because people hear the demon killer thing and a lot of the comments that I get are like, don't you know that you can't kill demons? Duh. But it's a metaphor of, you know what I'm saying? Of saying, you know, when I beat depression, that's killing a demon. When, mm -hmm. when I beat addiction, that's killing my demons. You know what I'm saying? So it's the same thing with everybody else. So like I said, that aggression and that 
save not soft mentality that I have, I had to place that somewhere that was healthy. And I, like I said, that's where the demon killer thing came from. And it allowed me to have that same energy and that same umph and, and you know, that same fire. And now I'm putting it into the right direction. We love that. I, it makes sense. It definitely makes sense. I, I shockingly, I wasn't really alarmed by the demon killing thing because I mean, if you know that through like through God, you have the strength to do whatever he yeah. needs you to do, then yeah. I'm gonna do it. Because <laughs> yeah. what's so crazy is so wild. And at this point, it's, I'm glad that we're this conversation, God's moving through this conversation. Because at this point, we can almost throw the questions out the window because God's speaking right now. Yeah. But, you know what I'm saying? But it's, it's crazy though. Um, you know, one thing that I did want to touch on is, is I'm not sure if you ever heard me say the term Bible blicky. I heard it in one of the song, one of the songs on the TikTok. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a lot of people were alarmed by that for good reason. I, I expected people to come at my neck hearing that. I did. I wanted them to, because it's parts of the conversation. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> the reason I said that is because Let's really break this down. And it's so funny. The most religious people come at my neck about this and don't even understand it. So this is the thing. Let's really break this down biblically since people are always living in their heads. So in, in, when, we, when the Bible is talking about scripture, what, does it, what did it refer as? Uh, what did it refer to it as? It referred to scripture as a sword. Literally, a weapon. right now, I'm in my office and you see this. This is a sword on the Bible. It, re mm -hmm. it referred to our word as a sword. Why? Because that was our weapon against spiritual warfare and our demons, right? Now, why did they use the, the term a sword or X, Y, and Z? It was because that was what they used in combat back then, right? Mm -hmm. So nowadays, we don't use swords in combats. What, what do we use? We use firearms, if we're just being honest. So, <laughs> you know, the nickname of a gun is a blick. So for me, like I said, for me, I'm trying to reach the hood dudes that don't nobody want to talk to. I'm yeah. trying to reach the hood shorties that everybody think is hood rats and we don't want nothing to do with them. They're not holy enough to be in the church. I'm not worried about the one. I'm going to just be honest. And if I get in trouble for saying this, Lord, forgive me. But I'm not worried about the people who go on to church every Sunday who swear they got it all together. That's not who my music is for. If you listen to it, yeah, and amen, we, we still brother and sister. I love you. But I create music for the ones that don't nobody like, <laughs> for the ones that the Christians are trying to throw away. So for me, like I said, and, and coming up with these terms in X, Y, and Z, these people are literally carrying real blicks. They talking about real blicks. So when they hear that, they're like, hold on, what, what did he say? And then now the beat, you know, the beat so crazy that it's grasping their ear. And now they didn't listen to the whole album. And what people don't understand, so all my religious people that's listening, hear me, what people don't understand is that the music is ministering to these people. They don't even know it. They listening to all they're hearing is Bible blick this and that, da, 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 da. But you don't listen to those sneaky bars where I'm saying I'm naked in the presence of God. But who you naked for? You're not hearing those bars. All you hear is the Bible blicking <laughs> You don't hear when I'm spitting my my scripture, but like I said, for those people, for those people that uh, those soul those those souls that we're trying to save, they're constantly being ministered to. Even though they hear the Bible blicking the heartbeats, they're, they the spirit is constantly ministering to them. So eventually, they're gonna wake up and realize, man, how come I want to give my life to God today, and don't even know why. But it's yeah. because they've been being ministered to over and over again through the music. 
Yeah, and it's funny how people allow subliminal messages to be within their movies, their TV shows, and when it's something that's solely made to help people of God, they want to turn it into an eye of judgment. And also, I, I love the fact that you said that you're ministering to those that, and you're not going to get in trouble, at least not for me, and because that's what Jesus did. And that was, that's what Jesus called us to do. He didn't tell us to go and minister to the religious. He didn't tell us to go and he said to minister those that don't know him and bring them towards God. And if you're, if you're past and you know what, what your target audience is and how to appeal to them, and that brings them closer to God, I feel as if God would be very happy and proud to know that your work for him and him using you to bring like these target audiences to church is an amazing thing. So yeah, it, yeah, it's crazy too, because like when you think about it, you know, religious people and everything that I say, especially these wild takes, I make sure to have Bible to back it up so people, you know, can't say whatever, but you know, you know, but with religious people, for whatever reason, it's like when you're stuck, I wouldn't even say religious people, but when you're stuck into a religious mindset, which I've been in before, so I'm not judging nobody, we've all been there. So when I was, I remember me specifically, when I was in a religious mindset, I didn't like change. I wanted things to be the same. I wanted this to be that. I wanted God to move that way. I wanted this to speak that way. You know what I'm saying? So religious people are afraid of change. So whenever there's something different going on, whether it's in the music, whether it's in the pulpit, whatever, they, they automatically demonize it. Yeah. So with my music, it's not really, nobody's really talking how I'm talking in my music. I'm not saying that braggadociously. I'm just, it's, it's just true. I'm, I'm trying to do something different. And because of that, Christians are almost afraid to, to embrace it, but what's so funny, if we think about it back in the Bible with the Pharisees, those were the religious leaders. Those, those yeah. were the Bible scholars. Those are people that were studying the word. But what is so funny is that <laughs> these people knew the Bible and knew the word more than everybody else. And they knew Jesus, the, the, that the Messiah was coming back and they knew all of this. And they saw the Messiah with their own eyes and could not recognize him. Why? Because he came doing something that they didn't expect him to do. The Very Pharisees different. wanted Jesus to walk a certain way. They wanted him to move a certain way. And when he didn't, they swore up and down, that's not the Messiah. Matter of fact, they went as far as to say that he got his power from Satan. Oh, come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. This is why, like I said, like when it comes to these different things, I don't judge people who are stuck in religion or X, Y, and Z, because like I said, we're all there. But like I said, at the same time, it's like, don't come on my page and, you know what I'm saying, get the comment and something wild and you don't know what you're talking about. I've, people forget, or some people don't know, that I'm not just an artist. I've been preaching full time for four years. I study my word. So at the end of the day, I'm not about to be putting out music out here that's about to be hurting nobody. That's what I'm mm -hmm. going to do, because the blood is not going to be on my hands. I'm trying to save souls, not lose them. I agree. That's so powerful. And that's one of the reasons why this podcast is called Child of God, because, you know, it's not really about being associated with whether you're a Christian or what religion you say that you are a part of. It's more about just openly and freely following Jesus Christ and God and accepting him as your savior. And I mean, as long as you're following the word of God, what that looks like to you, no one can judge and nobody can implicate besides God. And so 
it's really crazy how you see like judgment so strong in our community. And that's the one thing that just tears us apart. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely bad. I mean, like, like I said, I'm trying to, even right now, I've been talking to a lot of different Christian artists um, and I've been, you know, just making building connections and things like that. And the, the funny thing is one of the main themes that keep coming up is that it's crazy that the secular world of music seems like they're more united than the Christian artists. And that's so crazy to me. That's so crazy to me. Like, that is crazy. Even, it's, yeah, it's like, at the end of the day, I, I was just telling somebody this the other day. The enemy is looking at us as the Christian genre and laughing right now. And the reason I say that is this. If you're about to play, a t I play college basketball so a lot of times I speak in basketball terms or whatever but um so <laughs> if you're just imagine you're on a sports team basketball football whatever and you look across the field or you look across the court and you see that the team that you're supposed to be playing watch this you see that they're fighting each other you're gonna start laughing yo we beat you already <laughs> that's score, true the, you know what I'm saying the score is zero zero and you already lost because you fighting with your brother and your sister so at the end of the day, how can we, uh, uh, how can we think that we're going to effectively, or matter of fact, scratch that, how do we think that we're going to get anybody to take us serious as a community, or I don't even want to say as a religion, as a faith, and as a community, nobody's going to take us serious if they look into our community and they see that we're not even united. And if, I don't want to make this a race thing, but it's even the same thing with our Black community. That's why a lot of times when black people are killed and, and you see people that are higher up, policemen, whatever they are, they looking and laughing because they like, yo, y'all not even, y'all want to be united when one of us kill you, but y'all killing each other still? Like, it, it's almost laughable. So it's like, you, you have to pick and choose who is your enemy. That's what you have to figure out. And it's not your brother or your sister. It's the people on the other side of the field, AKA those demonic forces. Definitely. Whew. I felt every bit of that. And I got the basketball reference, by the way. I'm not a big sports fan, but I <laughs> but um so just going into dealing with the youth and you know reaching that target market, you know, what has been their their outlook? Like, you know, just just telling us more about like that experience with working with the youth. Like, I know it's hard and I just, <laughs> I would love to know how do you get through any tactics, any, you know, ways that you bring them into church, that you get them to sit down and listen, um, get them to open themselves up to you and to Christ. Yeah. Yeah. For me, um, I've always been a, a creative. So my mind is always moving a hundred miles an hour. So I'm constantly thinking about, okay, how can I do this? How can I do that? How can we build this? So for me, when I got into youth ministry, I, I'm a, like I said, I'm a thinker. So a lot of people get into ministry and they just say, Ooh, I get a platform. Like, no, that's not what this is. Like, yeah, you get a platform, but you have to figure out the ins and outs. That's what's going to keep you on the platform is figuring out how this thing moves. So for me, I had to figure out, okay, what do youth like? Because for me, yeah, I'm a youth, but if we just being honest, there's certain things that the youth doing that I'm not even associated with. So I may not know what they on right now. You know what I'm saying? Because mm -hmm. I may be in my Bible and they at the club right now. So I don't know what's going on. You feel me? So yeah, when I started preaching and stuff and, and, and trying to bring, trying to create a plan to grasp the youth, 
it's so funny that God literally did this and set it up like this because the same plan that I had going into youth ministry, he literally replicated that blueprint for my music and it's been working. So, and, and this is what it has been. Like I said, at the end of the day, how you, before, before you can eat a fish, you have to catch it, the whole nine, it, it, you know, that whole example. So you have to, but how do you catch a fish though? It's bait on the end of the line. So, and then at the end of the day, if let's say a fish, the fish that you're, the specific fish species that you're fishing for does not like worms, right? Why would you put a worm on the end of the hook? You're going to get every other fish, but the one that you're looking for. But let's say that fish likes, uh, you know, whatever, some other type of bug. You put that bug on the hook, they're going to go for it because that's what they like. So at the end of the day, I had to understand, okay, what do the youth like? I had to identify that first. So I said, you know what? This generation, they want something that's real. They don't want nothing. You, you see, they we always make it fun of something that's fake. Oh, you cap it. You cap. We literally turned the whole slang word into people being fake. So, you know, like I said, for me, I understood at the end of the day, if I don't say anything that they want to hear, they're going to respect me because I'm real. That's number one. So, like I said, I wanted to make sure that they understood, listen, through the way I talk, through the way I dress. Like I said, I preach and stuff like this. And I get reprimanded for it. People say I'm crazy or whatever, but I don't care because when they see that and they go on YouTube and they're like, man, this, this cat got on Balenciaga, this dude got a chain on his neck and he preaching. Well, it gives them the perspective of he looks like me, he talks like me, he's from the same spot I'm from. Maybe I can do this too. It gives them that because a lot of times in Christianity, it, a lot of times I'll say this, religion is built on pride, not Christianity. I'm saying the, the religion aspect is sometimes built on pride. And what I mean by that is this, sometimes people have so much pride that they want the people, they want the, the, uh, the people that they're bringing in to feel like there's a distance between them. That's why they got the suits on and they got the this, that, and the third, and they got the nice cups and they got to sit far away from everybody so that they can give them that, that illusion of, hey, there's a distance. Like, hey, I love you, but I'm the pastor over here. You just listen. Like, no, that ain't how that's supposed to go. What I wanted to do was make them feel as if, listen, yes, I may more, I may know a, a little bit more than you. I may have a little bit more experience in these some areas, but we're on the same playing field, my baby. That's that's what this is. We're on the same playing field. I look like you, I dress like you, I talk like you. I'm just, I just found God a little bit before you did. And that, that that's it. That's the only difference. Wow. And it's, I, that's one of the things that I, has actually plagued me when I got, when I became a Christian, it was the fact that I always felt like I wasn't perfect enough or that, you know, everybody, everybody on social media and everybody that's talking about Christ, they make it seem so perfect. And I was just like, this is not, this is not perfect. This journey has jagged edges. This journey is pro we're promised trials and tribulations and what's the point of building a community that you make everyone feel as if that they have to be perfect? So why not create a community, you know, that's more based on our imperfect, our imperfections, you know, and who is more imperfect and on the consistent learning curve than a child. And even in the Bible, when Jesus said, you know, bring all the children to me. And when the disciples were like, no, like <laughs> he's tired. No, but these children, they're young, they're, they're impressionable. 
And, you know, they might not know what's right or wrong, but they have their trust solely in God. And that's like the main, it's more, way more important than like you said, pride or, or the need to put the pulpit 15 feet above everybody else. And, you know, it's crazy. I mean, also, I think looking at the differences in churches too, because I know I've been to some churches where they like, they have the pulpit, like full, like all the way up. And, you know, you have the first lady seat and the pastor's seat. And then sometimes I go to like, you know, these non-denominational churches and the pastor's sitting right next to you. Yeah. Yeah. Seriously. And it feels so good to know that they're just as imperfect as you are. And so I completely get, I completely get what you're saying. And it's so good that you're creating a space for the youth to see and feel that way. Yes, no, I seriously appreciate that. That's definitely my mission. So thank you. Oh, so, I mean, you have a lot, you have a lot of jobs. How do you balance them all? And how do you balance like that, that quiet spiritual time with God as well? Uh, for me, you know, one thing that I understood is, is if I was going to be a successful businessman, um, successful artist, successful man of God, regardless, what, if it, for me, I understood what being successful looked like because I seen my parents. And one thing that I noticed my father did, because I talk a lot about my mom, but one thing I like, I, like one thing about my dad, he's taught me so much without saying anything. Like my mom is the advice giver. You feel me? But my dad, I'm going to peep him from a distance. So like one thing that I seen, you know, with, when it came to his success, he, he had a schedule. Like he did certain things, but he did not let that schedule waver. I would literally be coming home from school, go to basketball practice, come back home. And my dad is in the bed at like eight or nine o'clock. You know what I'm saying? And I'm not saying that's what I do, but I'm just giving it for example. He's in the bed at eight or nine o'clock and he's waking up at 4 a.m. And guess what? At 4 a.m. when I go to the restroom to do whatever, get ready for, you know, uh, school or whatever, I can hear through the vent him praying for an hour. This is like, like, he didn't woke up, didn't talk to nobody. He ain't checking his phone. He not worried about work, getting his money because he understands that at the end of the day, if I don't talk to the person who created me and created these revenue streams and created all these connections that I have, I won't be able to sustain them anyway. So God, let me give you this time, even if it's just 10 minutes. So for me, that was the same thing that I had to do with knowing all the stuff that I have to do. And I haven't even got into everything that I do. And that's the crazy part. So with just hearing that, as busy as I am, I know, okay, listen, let's wake up at 8 a.m. And let's pray, you know, say in 30 minutes and then we, the rest of it, we're going to do worship. And right after that, all right, we got to hit the gym. I got to stay in shape. I got some shows coming up. And right after that, all right, let's go down to the studio, um, the TV network and help out my pastor. Then after that, all right, bet I got a studio session. And then after that, I got to go home. I get to eat. I can see my friends, my family for a little bit. And then now let's wind it down. Let's get some more personal time with me and God or just some personal time with just me and myself. So let my head calm down. So it gives me that time because I have that schedule literally on my phone if you look through my notes right now it's just scheduled on schedules on schedules like every single day what I have to do like penciled everything in to the point where I know what I have to do so it doesn't stress me out because I used to like when I would move without a schedule it was just like I said I'm a thinker so my head is like I can't even focus on one thing so when I don't have that schedule I'm literally forgetting stuff I forget it I'm forgetting about interviews I'm forgetting I got a studio session in this place and that's terrible that's not professional whatsoever. So for me, having that schedule keeps me 
balanced and it keeps me in alignment. I made a schedule sound so good. <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> well, I... everybody, you got to. I literally, that's so funny. I wish you guys could see the weird. There is a it's a picture on this side on this frame that says if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Like my family believes in that so heavy. And I mean, it's a great, it's a great quote to build your family on because, you know, you don't want, well, like something I say to my friends, um, I, I have organized spontaneity. So I have like times where I just leave so people can like spring things up on me. But other than that, scheduling is definitely, definitely key. Um, and so Wow, you just asked. I, I didn't even realize that I was asking the question, but I, it was like, what um, what does your daily routine with God looks like? And you basically oh, just <laughs> gave it. Yeah. But I guess a different question. Huh? Well, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say a different question could be maybe a Sunday in the life. Uh, okay. I don't know if that's different. Yeah, I mean, well, it's kind of the same kind of. Oh, okay. But yeah, a little bit, but yeah, I can I can just attest to uh, pretty much what I do, pretty much because like I said, what I said earlier was just kind of like a draft, just off the top of the head. Oh but, yeah, we want to know. Yeah, yeah, exactly what I do. So yeah, um, from the from the jump, from the jump, I'm actually right now I'm at my parents' house because I was just over here kicking it with them because I gotta go out of town next week, so I just want to see them. But I live by myself, got my own spot or whatever, so things are you know everything depends on what I do. You know what I'm saying? There's nobody else in the house with me, so. Uh, when I wake up in the morning, I want to say I wake up, my body kind of naturally wakes up around like seven. Um, and then I try to like, just kind of stay there for a minute. I don't like to get up right away because sometimes my head be, you know, just groggy or whatever. So I'll sit there for a little bit. You know, my dog sometimes be sleeping next to me. So I'll just, you know, rub him, just kind of just sit there, let things be quiet. Um, then I'll get up and I'll pray. Um, and I don't believe that there should be a time limit placed on prayer. I don't think that people should tell people, hey, you need to be praying for an hour or demeaning somebody for praying for 10 minutes. I feel like prayer is just communication at the end of the day. So just like if me and you were close friends, sometimes like uh, if I call, one day I might call you and I feel I might feel like talking for an hour. And then one day I might call you and the conversation might only have to be 10 minutes. You know what I'm saying? So that's how it is with being God. I might wake up and go, I'm a worshiper, so I like to worship first. So I love to play my music and just go in and, you know, um, just, you know, tell God how much I love him and then I'll pray. So by the time that's over, it should be like, what, I'll say like nine o'clock. Um, then no matter what I have to do that day, if it's going down to the TV network, because like I said, with Impact Network, helping out, um, being a coordinator there, uh, I'll go there some days throughout the week. But if I'm not going there at nine or 10 o'clock, I'm actually handling my business as far as my graphic de design or whatever. So I'll get all of that out of the way. Um, and the good thing is I really can work all of my stuff from home. So I don't have to leave, even though I do have an office in Detroit, I can just kind of chill. So I'll sit at home, I'll just play my, you know, my music or whatever, get all my work done, make sure everything is cool. And then after that, I'll try to grab something to eat, something light, because I've been, you know, losing weight again, trying to work back out and everything. So I'll grab something light to eat. Um, then after that, once it starts to uh, um, come around like six or seven o'clock, that's when I start to focus on more so the youth stuff now. So my business is out the way. So now I can study, focus on my studying in the word, um, or if we have a Bible study, we have Bible studies on Wednesdays, so I can get prepared for those. Um, and that should only take me maybe like an hour, two hours max. And then after that, 
Now it's time to go to the studio. So I have a home studio, but I also have one in Detroit. So I can, you know, just switch around, bounce out. Um, so a lot of times if I'm just tired, I don't feel like driving, I'll just stay at home, go in my home studio, feel those vibes and just sit in there and chill. And then by the time that's over with, um, depends on how long it is, I record songs pretty quick. So if I'm just going in to record one, um, like tonight, after this, I got to record one song. It'll probably take me like 30 minutes. So I'll be good. And after that, then I'll be able to go chill with my, you know, my friends and X, Y, and Z. And I'll end out my night like that. Come back home, go to sleep, do it all over again tomorrow. You really do have a very like balanced schedule. And yeah. I, I mean, I know that's one thing that a lot of people or a lot of kids of God have a problem with, cause I have a, like, no matter how much I prioritize my schedule, like it just gets so messy. And I just don't really know where the time comes from to, you know, come here, podcast, record, re like look for guests, answer messages, all that stuff. And so it's, it's I, I'm asking these questions also for like, for me to get knowledge on how to better plan my life. So thank you so much. But the last question is if there was anything, and there probably is, because you sound like you have a lot of knowledge and a lot of wisdom, what would you tell a child of God that's like just newly getting to know God or is having trouble on their journey towards God um, or someone who isn't even, who isn't even like there yet, but they want to know more? What would you tell them? I'll, I'll say this. Um, my biggest thing, I tell people that I am a grace preacher, um, meaning that I, I, I really do believe in grace because, like I said, a lot of times with dealing with religion, we hear, okay, take for instance, one thing that I heard a lot growing up, not just in my church, but just in churches in general, one scripture that people like to bring up all the time is um, uh, the wages of sin is death, right? And then a lot of times they just put a period where a comma actually is. So it's not just the wages of sin is death. Mm -mm. The, the, the scripture don't stop right there. It begins to talk about the grace of God. It begins yeah. to talk about how God will come in and save you. Like, like this is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, for me, I tell people all the time, if you're, if you're new in Christ, if you don't fully understand God yet, and you're trying to learn. One thing that is very, very imperative is to understand who God is and that's through his grace and to understand that at the end of the day yes you may make mistakes but you don't you don't have to be perfect as long as you're not as long as you're at a point where when you do make those mistakes conviction sets in you're good because if, when that conviction goes out the window now you're in a, yeah now you're in a different place now you need to figure out what you did wrong but if you're at a place where you've been trying your hardest like i know people who i've been at a place where I, I was fighting, like fighting for my life, like crying, going to sleep because I'm just trying to figure out why can't I break past this addiction or whatever it is. God, I love you so much. And I'm, I just feel so bad because I feel like I'm you know, hurting you or I feel like I'm whatever. But I had to understand that his grace is literally sufficient. His grace is all that I need. Once I understood his grace and that I didn't have to be perfect to be loved by him, it made me see, this is the thing. Thank you, Holy Ghost. He's talking. So this, this is, this is the thing, right? When you love God and you really figure out who God is and you truly love him, you're automatically going to want to do the right thing. When you love somebody, you want to do right by them. Like my parents, 
I, the reason that I came over here today and kicked it with them and, you know, laughed and joked is because I genuinely loved them. They didn't have to ask me to do such and such. I didn't, I wasn't dragged over here. I could have been on my house right now, but I love them. So if they, you know what I'm saying? So if they ask me to do something, it's nothing. I want to do something for them. But a lot of people serve God out of fear and not love. And that's the thing. When you're serving somebody out of fear, and, and, and not love, it, the, the, the reception and things are different now. So the way that you, you you get things are different. So like I said, just to sum that all up, is just if you're struggling with these things and you feel like you're not good enough and X, Y, and Z, I'm telling you, I done did some stuff. I've been out here selling drugs, almost got arrested, the whole nine. You guys would be the prize. I have a heck of a story. And I'm saying that to say this, if anybody, if God should have turned his back on anybody, it should have been me, seriously. I feel like Paul, I'm the worst of these. You know what I'm saying? Like if anybody should have got their back, should have got turned on, I feel like it should have been me. But the fact that God is still with me every time I mess up, the fact that the Bible even talks about when you make your bed in hell, he's still there. And God has proven that to me time and time again. The time, the first time I almost got arrested, he was there. All of a sudden the cop looked at me and said, son, there's something different about you. Took the cuffs off and let me go. Don't even. Oh my gosh! I'm serious. Like this is a true story. I promise to God, I can call my parents in right now. And I'm like, like, it was crazy, but I understood that was His grace that was covering me, even though what I did that night was extremely stupid, and I should still probably be locked up right now for it. But His grace was there because He understood that God, when God knows your heart, and then that's the second part. I, this is this is my last thing. Don't allow your heart to get bad. Because yeah. this is the thing. This is that, that's where that grace is allowed when your heart is in the right place. You see, if you look at David and Saul, and I promise y'all, this this I'm, I'm about to wrap this up, but I'm gonna preach. You this you can you can preach as much as you want. Okay. Don't feel rushed at all. Okay, great, great, yeah. Because God is just He talking. We do not we do not rush God. You go. Yes. Okay. So when you look at David, you look at King David, and then you look at King Saul. Now, it's so funny. You look at their heart postures, right? We can all agree that King Saul, his heart was turning black. And then we can also agree that King Saul, his heart was good because why? God said he's a man after my own what? My own heart. Yeah. So what I'm what I'm saying that is, is this. Both kings did some very vile and disgusting things, right? Both of them. But Let's look at their, their their let's look at how they passed away and let's look at their lives. Saul failed on his own sword. At the time, he well, really that means he, you know, obviously I'm sure you know, but just to the viewers, that means that he killed himself. And back then, that was extremely dishonorable. His his legacy was tarnished. So as much as as good of a king as somebody would have thought he was, because he failed on his own sword, all of that was washed away. Now, David passed away at old age peacefully why they both had different things and then you look at this even you look at how david did what he did with bathsheba like let's really break this down so number one you lusting right <laughs> okay that's already wrong that you're looking over at shorty right you shouldn't even be looking at shorty that was the first part now not only are you looking at shorty but you didn't call shorty up to the to the palace now that that now she in your crib. That's number two. Number three, you went ahead and passed the finish line and you smashed her. Now you you definitely wrong. But now he didn't stop there. He he know what he did wrong. So now he got her husband killed. 
So now that's murder and not only murder, premeditated murder. So these are four major things that a king did. Yeah. But God said, he's a man after my own heart. So you notice, let's really think about this. In the Old Testament, God, I don't want to say God was a different God, but he operated a little different. He definitely did. <laughs> so, so what I mean by that is this, and like I said, I'm sure you know, but for the viewers, if you read the Old Testament and you look, you, you, you compare God in the Old Testament and the New Testament, God was way more strict in the Old Testament. Like people were literally dropping like flies for the, any for anything. Yeah. So you're telling me that all these people could be doing the littlest thing and they're dying, but David can commit, can do those four things back to back to back, probably in the span of two, three days and God still covered him. Yes. Why? Because of his heart. That's where your grace, that's how you unlock that, get that grace. When you do these things, when, if you find yourself at a place where you're sinning and you're doing stuff with the wrong heart and I've been there as well doing it. And I'm like, well, I'll just repent after. I don't care. It is what it is. No, that's the wrong heart. That's when grace, that window start to get real small. But I remember doing things when I was telling God, I don't want to be like this no more. I don't want to do this. I don't want to be subject to these things. But I kept falling. But I started to notice I would fall, but I would get right back up. And I would feel that grace right behind me. I would feel that thing pulling me back to him. And eventually, that grace will pull you so far that before you know it, you're out of that toxic situation. So that's my biggest thing. Number one, remember the grace of God. And number two, keep your heart right to access that grace. And that's 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 what I got. That that was that was moving. I, you know, I felt a little close to tears <laughs> at that point. And even looking at um God in the Old Testament, because as the viewers know, we go through the Bible book by book. And right now we're on Exodus. Um, starting season two of the podcast and we look at Pharaoh and we look at God and we saw how many times God sent a plague and like God literally said in the scripture he said I can take you off this earth right now yep. if I wanted to he said I can remove you and your people but I want you all to know me I want you to know the power that I have and regardless of their behavior, God knew their heart. God knew from the beginning that he wasn't going to switch. But the, the, the fact is he gave him time after time after time again to let his people go. Same thing with Jacob. Jacob fooled uh, people. Jacob uh, was out here marrying two wives. Jacob is just a lot. And you have to think God still consistently protected him, consistently loved him consistently wanted his kids to do good. They became the tribes, the generations of God's people. Well, we could look at the Israelites. Yeah. I mean, yeah. 40 long first years of complaining. And then we look, I, I mean, at least when I first read that scripture, I was just like, why are these Israelites acting like this? I just, yeah. God just helped you from slavery. He just made your lives better. But then I looked back and I realized that was me. I was complaining the other day, but completely forgot that I had a roof over my head, food on my table, um, the ability to speak and allow God to use me. And you just sit back and you realize, wow, I didn't realize how unappreciative of, like you said, the grace God has for me. And so I completely understand what you're saying. And it's a great gem 
that a lot of people forget, but is so, 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 so important. But I will give DKG his chance to let you guys know where to find him at, all his social media, and his upcoming project. He has an album dropping late March. We're so excited. But <laughs> yeah, so you guys can find me on uh, on Instagram at dkg.kie. The dot will period. Should I say dkg period kie? Uh, on YouTube, my YouTube page is just dkg kai. Um, my TikTok, man, that's bad. What is my TikTok? Name? <laughs> oh my god! I just changed. It. I changed it recently. Let me look really quick. Um, uh, it, okay. it, oh, I had it pulled up. Oh, okay, yeah, you, go, you go ahead then. Yo. It's D-K-G-K-I-E underscore official, which I will be putting all of this information in the description box, but. Yep, so yep, that's how you find me on TikTok. So yeah, definitely run those TikTok um, views up. That's how I'm getting a lot of the opportunities that I'm getting. And what's funny, uh, my manager told me to start doing TikTok, like, I want to say, Four months ago, like when I first started doing it, um, he had told me to do it and I was just so against it. I'm like, listen, dude, I'm from Detroit. Like, I don't rock like that. I ain't doing all the dances and stuff. Like, I'm, I'm just not with it. But, <laughs> but he showed me a way to do it where it didn't seem corny, where I could just place my content out there and, you know, get it out there. So honestly, I'm not going to lie. TikTok is definitely, because I'm, I'm not on social media. I get on the post and get off. But TikTok has definitely become... Uh, my favorite content tool because of how broad um you can you can like you can reach people so anybody out there too and sorry if i'm you know sorry for going off into this but just to help anybody like that's out there that want to get discovered whether you're an artist whether you're a podcaster or a preacher whatever you're doing if you want to get discovered i definitely highly suggest tiktok because even like yourself you would have probably never found me on instagram you know what i'm saying so TikTok broadens that algorithm and, uh, and pushes your music and whatever it is that you're pushing to a, a whole nother, um, you know, a whole nother demographic. But yeah, anyway, that's how you find me on social media. And my album is coming out. It's called Exodus. So it's funny you just brought that up. You really? Yep, it's called Exodus. So yeah. Um, okay. So I just want to say that is so funny. And it's so cool. It's, um, well, it's not coincidence because God is moving. Yep. But so you are the first guest of the season Exodus. So we just finished Genesis and like tomorrow's first episode is Exodus chapter one, verse one. And it's so crazy that your episode is going to air on Friday, which is the first week of the season just starting. Like I didn't know, guys, I did not know that his yeah, yeah. Um, album was Exodus. I did not know. And yeah, just in case you guys, just so you guys can see, this is the uh, the album cover. I know it's a little grainy or whatever, but it has Exodus at the top, and that's oh me with the mask and the Red Sea behind me. Um, so yeah, so what I'm telling you guys though, you don't want to miss this album because it's the first album that I'm making that's personal and that gives you a deep dive into who I am. Because the what Exodus means to me was is just leaving out of religion and into relationship and also leaving out of something that had me chained and going to and finding the promised land so i'm, I'm getting a lot more personal in a lot of the music i just definitely still got a bunch of demon killer bars on there but i'm telling you <laughs> like this album 
it's I'm not saying it just because it's me, but I really got I know this album is gonna be good because God literally I was gonna release it a month ago and God stopped me while I was driving and he said rewrite the entire album. I said it's oh my no gosh. way. I said it's no way. So I just stopped my car, I pulled over, and I'm like, I'm like arguing. I'm like, are, are you serious? And he like rewrite the album. You can keep some songs, but you gotta redo this album. And I redid it and I totally understood why when I started remaking some of these songs and I started going deep. Like I got a song called Red Sea that talks about, you know, being at that place of trying to lead people, but you face an opposition in front of you, which is the Red Sea. And then mm -hmm. you also got opposition coming from this way too. So it's like, which way do you turn? You yeah. don't turn this way, you turn this way. And Period. You feel me? So yeah, I'm telling you, I could be on here all night, but I'm telling you, <laughs> it's going to be crazy, man. It's going to be great. It's going to be great. Well, thank you so, 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 so much for coming on the podcast. It is so appreciated. We love everything that you talked about, everything that you said, a lot of revelations that you even brought up that we probably should be looking into ourselves. Are we in the right Christian communities? Are we judging our brothers and sisters? There are so many gems that DKG dropped tonight. I am so thankful for you, so grateful. And we will see y'all on the next episode. Yes, Bye. Oh, wait, oh, actually, no. We should pray before we left because we didn't pray when we started. So, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this amazing, amazing guest. Uh, we pray over everything that you're doing through him. We pray that Exodus is spread throughout the world so that it allows all the all of your children to come closer to you and to learn that, you know, all of our journeys aren't perfect, but you're perfect. And that makes up for our imperfections. We thank you for this opportunity to learn from each other's from each other and from our journeys. And we pray that we consistently learn from you. Amen. Man, Thank you it. so much, DKG. Thank you. Thank you.